What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. The four major professional sports leagues in the United States are in full swing right now. The NFL obviously just had their annual draft. More than 11 million people watched the first round and more than 6 million people average across the whole weekend. It was a huge event. It obviously receives more viewership than marquee events like every single tennis major men's and women's final, the Daytona 500, the Indianapolis 500, everything else when it comes to a draft perspective across the United States. We have the MLB, which is in full swing as well in the regular season. They have implemented a bunch of changes this year. Games are about 30 minutes shorter. There's more offense, more hitting, more stolen bases, and so forth. And viewership is up as well. And then the NBA and NHL are both in the midst of playoffs right now. It's been extremely exciting. I just tweeted out that the Warriors put up an impressive number for Game 7 of the first round. It was watched by 10 million people, 11 million people, which was the most watched first round game in nearly 25 years for the NBA. So everything is firing on all cylinders. But today, I want to talk about one thing specifically, and it's how playoff money works when it comes to these four leagues, how much teams make in the playoffs, how much they get to keep, and what it does for their valuation. And the reason I want to talk about this is quite simple. Many people believe that you don't actually need to win for most of these teams to make money, right? If you think about the NBA, who are the most valuable teams in the league? Historically, it's always been the Lakers, the Celtics, the Bulls, the Knicks, and so forth, right? The big market teams that have these huge geographical advantages. And that's true to some degree, but there's a bunch of nuance to this. And the money that they can make by winning is fascinating, and it differs per league. So today, we'll walk through it all. All right, when it comes to postseason success and the impact that it can have on your valuation from a team perspective, the most obvious example is the Golden State Warriors. Joe Lakeup, Peter Gruber, and a group of smaller investors paid $450 million for the Golden State Warriors NBA team in 2010. And most people deemed it a massive overpay. If you go Google online, there's tons of people that were talking bad about it, saying this team's not worth that much money. It's crazy. You're, you're messing up all the other people that want to buy these franchises later on and so forth. Forbes had valued the team at $315 million just seven months earlier. So they were paying $135 million more than the Forbes valuation, which typically is, is more than people would be willing to pay. They were the 18th most valuable team in the NBA. They had only made the playoffs once in the previous 15 years. Their home arena was over 45 years old and routinely had poor attendance. And again, $450 million was the most money ever paid for a professional basketball team at the time. The most money ever. But if you fast forward a decade, everything has changed. The Warriors are now the NBA's most valuable team, worth $7 billion. They brought in $206 million in operating income last year, 33% more than any other team in the NBA. And it's the first time today in 20 years that the NBA's most valuable franchise doesn't play in New York City with the Knicks or Los Angeles with the Lakers. And the key to all of this is simple. It's winning. The Golden State Warriors have been to the NBA Finals for six out of the last eight years. That gives them an additional 10 to 12 home playoff games each year. And based on the NBA's generous playoff revenue sharing model, this has resulted in more than $750 million in additional income to the franchise. But this doesn't apply to every major professional sports organization. In fact, some leagues are notoriously much stricter with revenue sharing, like the NFL. So today I want to run through how each of these leagues operate. I'll divide them up one by one, and we'll talk about what winning does for each team's overall valuation. Let's start with the NBA. The NBA is the most generous U.S. professional sports league when it comes to the distribution of playoff revenue. The NBA league office used to keep 45% of all ticket revenue. 
but they cut their share in 2016 to 25%. And individual NBA teams now get to keep 75% of all ticket revenue generated from playoff games. So again, the NBA keeps 25%. NBA teams themselves keep 75%. So 75 cents out of every dollar that they sell for ticket revenue in the playoffs, they get to keep. Only home games, of course, but 75% they keep. And it's important to remember that playoff tickets are typically priced at a 200% markup from regular season games in the NBA. This results in an additional $300 million in revenue for the 16 playoff teams each year. Last year, it was $300 million. And this team-friendly revenue sharing agreement can make a huge difference. For instance, we all know the big market teams like the Lakers, Knicks, Bulls, Celtics don't necessarily need to win to increase their valuation. This is because the real estate is really expensive. The total market size of the audience that they're, they're appealing to is massive. People are buying merchandise. The sponsorship deals are bigger, all of that. And local media rights are also huge, right? You're getting more money because of the amount of fans that you have in that area. So they're going to make money regardless, right? The Knicks have sucked for how many years, right? The Lakers went through a stretch, the Bulls too, Celtics so far. Those teams do not have to be good to make money. Of course, it helps, but they don't have to be good. They're going to stay at the top of the valuation rankings no matter what. But still, winning can and does play an important role. Again, if we look at the Warriors and let's say the Bucks, those teams make nearly $100 million in additional income when they make the NBA Finals, and they host 10 additional playoff games. And their team valuations have collectively increased, those two teams, nearly $10 billion over the last 10 plus years. The Warriors were purchased for $450 million in 2010 and are now worth $7 billion. That's a 1,500% increase or compounded at an annual rate of 32% year after year after year after year. Absolutely insane. And the Bucks are no different. They were worth $312 million in 2013, and they're now worth $3.5 billion. That's over 1,000% growth and a 27% compounded annual growth rate over the last decade. And it's important to note here, you know, some people will come back and I'm sure say to me, hey, Joe, look, all NBA teams have grown. The media contracts are getting bigger. This really isn't that much of a story. But it is, because if you look at those two teams specifically, again, the Warriors have increased 1,500%. The Bucks are up over 1,000%. The average NBA team is only, and I say only with kind of a little bit of joking manner there, the average team is only up 462%. So these teams are growing at two to three times the rate of the average team in the NBA because they're winning championships, because they're hosting home playoff games, because they're going deep into the playoffs, and because they're making $100 plus million every single year off their ability to win. So again, the NBA is the most generous. You keep 75% of the revenue if you're the team. 25% goes back to the league office. The teams that are winning the most games, the Warriors, the Bucks, obviously the Cavs are doing it for a period of time. Those kind of teams, Celtics, whatever, those teams are making the most money and their valuations are showing significant growth because of it. This episode is sponsored by SoFi. SoFi is the all-in-one finance app, helping you bank, borrow, invest, and save. SoFi's mission is to help members achieve financial independence and realize their ambition all in one app. It's the single app you need to get your money right. I'm a SoFi member and I love it. SoFi is legit and they comply with the strict regulatory standards of the FDIC so you can be sure that your money is safe. Visit SoFi.com slash Joe Pompliano to learn more. That's SoFi.com slash Joe Pompliano. All right, let's get back to this episode. Now onto the second league, the NHL. The NHL is the second most generous U.S. professional sports league when it comes to the distribution of playoff revenue. The NHL league office keeps just 35% of all playoff ticket revenue and allows the individual teams to take 65%. So 65% for the NHL versus 75% for the teams in the NBA that they get to keep. And this generosity is especially big for NHL teams because ticket revenue accounts for 44% of the NHL's annual revenue. 
for 2021 through 2022. And teams typically mark up anywhere between 20 to 100% during the Stanley Cup playoffs. So again, in simple terms, NHL teams rely much more on ticket revenue than the other sports leagues like the NBA, the NFL, MLB, etc. Sponsorships aren't as big, merchandise isn't as big, etc., 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 media deals and so forth. So they rely, almost half of their revenue comes through ticket sales. So this is huge for NHL teams to be able to keep it. And the result is $200 million in revenue for the 16 NHL playoff teams last year. So $300 million the teams make for the NBA, $200 million the NHL teams make and get to keep. And while we don't have like a Warriors-esque dynasty to compare to for the NHL, the Tampa Bay Lightnings are not a bad example. They have been to the playoffs eight of the past nine seasons and even won back-to-back Stanley Cups in 2021 and 2022. Their 11 home playoff games in 2021-2022 brought in an estimated $25 million to $40 million in additional revenue. Of course, the league keeps 35% of that, but the Lightning still took home $16 million to $26 million over that one year alone. Now, again, NHL teams don't really make that much money. Some of them actually lose money on an annual basis. So small market teams that are able to go deep into the playoffs, even host two, three, four, five, six games, it compounds over time and it can make a meaningful difference, not only in one, their ability to post an operating profit versus loss, but two, meaningful valuation growth. Again, if we revisit the Tampa Bay Lightning example, the Tampa Bay Lightning were worth $260 million in 2015. They're worth $1 billion today. That's a 285% increase or a 16% compounded annual growth rate year after year. And their valuation, they were the 25th most valuable NHL team in 2015. Today, they're the 14th most valuable team. So they jumped 11 spots over the past seven years. And again, their valuation growth drastically outpaces the NHL average. Their valuation growth is growing at 285% over that time period. The NHL average has grown at 103% over that time period. So the NHL is second when it comes to the revenue sharing. They're right behind the NBA, but it's more important for their teams because they drastically depend on that revenue to make an operating profit versus a loss throughout the season. So it is important to maintain that relationship with the league office and not allow them to take more. Third on the list is Major League Baseball. Now, Major League Baseball is like kind of somewhere in the middle, but It's the most complex revenue sharing model of all the sports leagues. Leave it up to baseball to do things a little bit differently and be complex for essentially no reason. But what happens is teams get to keep 40%. So the league takes 60%. But teams get to keep 40% of the revenue from the first two wildcard games, first three games of the division series, first four games of the championship series, and first four games of the World Series. And then they keep 100% of the revenue for any games beyond that. In other words... Major League Baseball's league office takes 60% of all ticket sales for the minimum number of games each series, right? So for example, the World Series is obviously best of seven. There's four games at least necessary for that series to end for a sweep. They split the revenue for that 60-40, MLB is 60, team is 40. And then any game beyond that, five, six, seven, whoever's hosting it gets to keep 100% of the ticket revenue. So these teams are incentivized to keep the series going, obviously, uh, but the players are not going to do anything crazy because there's one important caveat into this. The league doesn't actually keep the money that they get. It goes to the players. Major League Baseball set up a postseason player pool, which takes the league's cut of the revenue and splits it up among the players of all 12 playoff teams. So the 2022 championship pool, for example, totaled $107 million. So $107 million, their share of that tech of revenue, gets put into this pool, and then the teams divide it up based on where they end in the postseason. So the World Series champions last year, the Houston Astros, took home $38.7 million of the $107 million. The Philadelphia Phillies, who lost in the World Series, received $25.8 million of the $107 million. So the Astros got about $13 million more than the Phillies for winning, and so forth. It goes down the line depending on where you finish. 
The interesting part about this is that the teams, the Major League Baseball teams, can then vote on who receives full and partial shares of the bonus pool. And this includes clubhouse workers, too. They can receive cash payouts depending on kind of what the team votes and who they want to give it out to. So last year, this resulted in the Astros handing out $516,000 for full shares and $940,000 in cash awards. So the players that got a full share, they got $516,000, basically a check from the team divided up of their total amount. They gave some of the clubhouse workers, other people like that, and it was all split up. They gave up now $940,000 in cash awards too. But don't feel bad for the owners. Their playoff revenue still makes a huge difference. Again, if we look at the Houston Astros specifically, that club was worth $800 million in 2015. They're now worth $2.3 billion. That's a valuation increase of 188% or 14% compounded annual growth rate. They've jumped 15 spots in the rankings from the 26th most valuable team in 2015 to the 11th most valuable team today. And their growth at 188% increase is drastically outperforming Major League Baseball's average of 72%. Again, just like the NBA, just like the NHL, winning matters. It makes a huge difference when it comes to the NHL, the MLB, and the NBA. They can drastically increase the performance of your franchise from a valuation standpoint because you're bringing in more revenue, you're operating profit increases, makes the team more valuable for merchandise, for sponsorships, for everything else like that. Makes a huge difference. But let's get to the NFL. The NFL is obviously the biggest and most profitable sports league in the world, and they have by far the most strict playoff revenue sharing model. The league keeps 100%, all 100%, all ticket revenue from playoff games and simply provides teams home and away, with a stipend, and then stadium operation costs. So they cover the travel and they cover the operational costs, but they take 100% of the revenue, the league office, for all playoff games, including the Super Bowl and so forth. Now, teams do in the NFL get to keep their concession and parking revenue, smaller stuff like that, but this typically only accounts for about $1 million to $2 million per game of revenue, and teams have to spend more than 10, they send more than $10 million back for each home playoff game in ticket sales. So they're making more than $10 million. All of that's going to the league office. They're getting maybe a million, $2 million from all the ancillary, smaller stuff. But again, they're losing out drastically when it comes to the revenue. If you're a team that's getting multiple home games too, you're losing out on $20, $30, $40 million potentially if you make it all the way to the Super Bowl and are expecting revenue from that, even though it is obviously at a central location and so forth. But again, that does not mean that it doesn't impact the valuation. It's just to a much smaller degree albeit like non-existent, right? So let's take the Kansas City Chiefs, for example. They're a dynasty of sorts to some degree. They've made the Super Bowl three out of the last four years, winning two of those. But this hasn't translated to this massive amount of financial success like I just illustrated with all the other leagues. The Chiefs' overall valuation has grown roughly in line with the average NFL team, 146% growth versus 126% growth. And their overall rank from a valuation standpoint where they are in the league has actually dropped two spots. So the Chiefs are worth $1.5 billion in 2015. They're now worth $3.7 billion. But again, that's roughly in line with what the average NFL franchise has done from that standpoint. And from a valuation rank standpoint, so if you were to take all 32 NFL teams and rank them 1 to 32 based on the valuation, the Chiefs were 21st in 2015 and they're 23rd today. So they've actually dropped two spots despite winning two Super Bowls and making another one. Of course, Kansas City can make up the difference in merchandise, sponsorships, ticket sales, whatever it is. They obviously get some benefit from winning and so forth, but they don't realize the same valuation upside from winning a championship like their NBA, MLB, and NHL counterparts do. So the bottom line is clear. Winning championships can be worth billions of dollars, depending on the league. The NBA, NHL, and MLB all have revenue sharing agreements in place. 
to consistently reward teams financially for good performance. But the NFL is making so much money that the owners don't care enough to fight for the additional money each year. The structure works great for them. They have these national media deals that are pulling all the franchises up in valuation themselves. They're making 10 plus billion dollars every single year from these deals, and they could care less about a few extra million dollars every single year. Again, maybe that's something that changes in the future, but right now the model of letting the NFL run this stuff from a central league location is working quite well. So again, to recap everything that I just said, NBA is the most generous. They give teams 75% of the revenue teams get to keep from playoff ticket sales. NHL is second. Teams get to keep 65%. The MLB is a little bit trickier depending on the round, but on average, teams get to keep about 55% of the revenue. The NFL is zero. So what we have seen is that the three teams that I mentioned, the Warriors, have moved up 17 spots in the rankings from winning so much. Tampa Bay has moved up 11 spots in the valuation rankings from winning so much. The Astros have moved up 15 spots in the rankings from winning so much. And the Chiefs, because of that zero percentage, have actually moved down two spots. So again, when you look at all the major sports leagues, the bottom line is this. It can be exceptionally financially beneficial to win championships in the NBA, the NHL, and the MLB. It is still beneficial to win them in the NFL, especially if you're a player looking for sponsorships and stuff like that. But from a franchise valuation perspective, the national media rights are significantly more important and you're getting $0 from ticket sales in the postseason. It essentially does not matter. The Kansas City Chiefs are the prime example. They went down two spots despite winning all of these championships and being in the Super Bowl for a third time as well. So there you have it. I thought this stuff was interesting. I hope you guys do too. I love looking at this stuff. This is what I spend all of my time doing. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Please share it with your friends. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you're listening to this on Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever it is. I'm also making these videos into longer form stuff, a little bit more interactive and conversational on the YouTube channel. So just search Joe Pompliano YouTube and you'll find it. You can subscribe there and make sure to get these videos in video format as well. And last but not least, make sure to sign up for the newsletter if you haven't already. Read huddleup.com. Over 106,000 people are reading it three times a week, 100% free. Again, I just enjoy this stuff. I have sponsors, but you guys get the point. You can read it for free, share it with your friends and so forth. I will talk to all of you later this week. Have a great day.